All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is our weekly discussion podcast where we talk about the recent movie and TV news. We also talk about some of the things we saw recently. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't see that much recently, but we are going to be talking about the Batman because Raymond here, he's with us and he did, uh, I guess, was it yesterday you saw the Batman, Raymond? Uh, two days ago. A couple days ago. So he, he wants to talk about that. He also has a YouTube uh, review up in our Inside Flicks YouTube channel. You could check that out right now. Um, so let's start with headlines. All right, Rich, start with the first headline. You're not going to say, uh, I'm here with my two brothers. Oh, yeah, okay. Right? <laughs> okay, <wait. laughs> I'm, okay. You want to... <laughs> Who cares? Just, just let's do it. All right, Rich, start with the first headline. 20th Century Studios and Hulu are developing a new original alien movie with Don't Breathe horror filmmaker Fede Alvarez to set to write and direct it. The project will be distinct from Noah Hawley's forthcoming FX Alien prequel series, which was announced earlier. According to sources, Alvarez pitched his take to Alien producer-director Ridley Scott many years ago. Scott apparently never forgotten about Alvarez's pitch and called him out out of the blue and asked him if he was still up for the job. Well, well, fingers crossed that this ends up being, you know, a really good project. But after seeing, you know, Fede Alvarez's uh, com- contribution to uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, 2022, the new Netflix release, uh, I got I'm very kind of um, not excited for this. I'm a little worried that this is going to end up being just maybe just another just kind of generic slasher movie or kind of, maybe like an alien three or something like that, which oh. wasn't a terrible movie. But I would uh-huh. want this. I would oh. want I would want more from this, oh, or so I guess uh, Alien, Co- maybe like Alien Covenant, and I I would want a bit more than that. So you think this is going to be more of a horror take? Uh, I think so. Well, I, I I'm just saying if it ends up being like what what he can, ended up doing for you know the, the recent recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, if he if that's what he ends up doing for that this, and I'm not excited. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a, um undecided at this moment because I did see the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre film, and I'm not sure if is that, that the only is is that the only Fetty Alvarez movie you've seen? Yeah, I think so. Like <laughs> of, of his productions, of his productions and stuff. Yeah, I don't. But he's think... he's gonna write and direct it though. This one. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, that was only his produ- He only produced Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the latest one, but uh. Yeah, I mean, for for whatever reason, Freddy Alvarez seems like he's the go-to guy for some of these things, you know, some of these dead franchises, and he's able to pitch uh, whatever idea it is, and he's able to green get a green light. Very rare for a filmmaker, but yeah, I really wanted I I really wanted to see uh, Neil Blomkamp's uh, sequel to Alien, and he already had like Sigourney yeah. Weaver like completely on board with that take. Yeah, and uh, I, he released a bunch of like you know. Uh, photos uh, or like sketches uh, I forgot what the concept art and it all looked like really fantastic Um, and yeah I mean that's that's the alien movie I would have liked to seen it looked like he was gonna he was gonna have he was gonna make a true like kind of a lineage uh, sequel and uh, I don't know it it, it looked cool yeah I wonder if if, uh, even Sigourney Weaver will be in this one I mean is this gonna be a totally different crew totally different characters i think so Uh, um i'm more interested in the noah holly uh prequel series the Mm -hmm. alien prequel series but this uh fetty alvarez deal probably is i'm i'm thinking it's more like a um like a pitch black the first one it's basically a you know a small planet and uh and explorers you know are visiting the planet and get you know and, and there's an alien on the planet yeah that seems to be the always the case. Yeah. So it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that. That's going to be what alien covenant was. Yeah. But it's, it's an easy, uh, you know, uh, one shot. I, 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 I get, I get it. I, I understand why, but you know, I'm one of those weirdos that actually kind of like was excited for what really Scott was kind of building in uh, Prometheus. Uh-huh. Yeah. Prometheus had a lot of flaws and stuff, but I thought it's still, uh, it was a it was an interesting take on what the on what really on what, I don't know whatever really Scott had planned for the sequel and you know he ended up just giving us a fan service movie which was Alien Covenant which was kind of just like a you know Alien Three type of movie and you know they're not terrible but it's like you know I I, I would really like to see the franchise go in a bold direction yeah me too I mean uh, I unfortunately 
it's hard to you know get those those ideas these big concept ideas greenlit a lot of times they just want to go to the regular kind of like distant planet you know yeah. new crew like what richard was just saying uh you know the typical kind but, of alien movie but you would think you would think neil blomkamp's idea though would 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 uh you know spark the interest of all these like executives and stuff like that because he was going to bring back Sigourney Weaver. I mean, that's what people want today, right? They want these, like, you know, bring back the, you know, the original cast, bring back, you know, the original final girl, you know, mm-hmm. it makes sense to bring her back. Sure. Sure. But that's, that's going to be more expensive than um, anything they're going to be able to pitch them to get, to get a green light. They know that, that they need one of these smaller things, one of these smaller projects didn't, to didn't be. She, didn't she die in alien four? <laughs> She died all, all three of them, whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, um, well, no, she's she she lived in three, right? Yeah. Well, well, no, I think Neil Blomkamp was good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think he was going to retcon. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, he was yeah. going to retcon yeah. uh, everything up till uh, Aliens. But um, I think oh, okay, I, I, I think you gotta also understand that you know when that project, which was many years ago. Those guys who greenlit that project are now gone from 20th century Fox or whatever. Yeah. You know, these are totally different people who are now in 20th yeah. century Disney people. And this is, and this movie is for Hulu. So th- I'm, I'm sure this is going to be a kind of medium low budget, budget. Yeah. Low to medium budget um, film that they, they probably could. They're making a Predator movie as well, right? That should be, I think they already filmed the Predator movie. Yeah. They already filmed that. And that's going to be probably a Hulu. Yeah, it is a Hulu exclusive. Yeah, and that's probably going to be the same kind of budget. Kind that, of that'll give us our indi- that'll give us our first indication of what this will probably be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it might even be set on Earth. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get to our next headline. In Craven the Hunter casting news, it seems recent SAG Award winner and current Oscar nominee Ariana DeBose of West Side Story fame is in talks to join the cast of the Sony Marvel comic book movie. Although it has not been confirmed, sources say DeBose would play Spider-Man supervillain Calypso. Uh, The character is a voodoo priestess who utilizes magic potions and also is the occasional lover and partner of Craven the Hunter. In related news, many Saints of Newark actor Alessandro Nivola is also set to join the Craven Hunter movie. He will likely be playing a villain as well, though character details have not been made public. Uh, you know, we kind of not a big fan of Ariana, Ariana DeBose, DeBose of West Side Story. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I don't. I don't think she's a bad actress. No, no. I just, I, was, I just think the performance all... is like over overrated for the Oscars. If they have her in a comic book movie, I think you know, sure for something like that, I'm sure she's a great addition. But um, for 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 nominating her for best actress, I I think there were better actresses to nominate. Yeah, that's, that's what I want to clarify. I mean, I think I think we. I I I have actually I don't know if I don't like her performance. I just don't like maybe that character in West Side Story. There was something about that. I think something about that movie just doesn't work for me. And I don't know if that's either. I, I'm I'm not sure if that's that's uh, uh, Spielberg's they're, they're so, fault. They're or, so they're so little different between that movie and the original. Yeah, it's that's just what I'm saying. Kind of like so baffling, like that that movie even exists. The problems I have with this uh, West Side Story movie is probably the pro- same problems I w- would have with the original film. It's just kind of a problematic film that doesn't work. I don't think it works. It probably worked back then. I don't think it works now because of uh, of uh, just just it's just so old fashioned. That's the maybe the problem I I have a problem with it. It just feels so old fashioned and yeah. That's I, why I think the movie might have maybe been better if it was like updated in the way that um, Bradley Cooper updated a Star Is Born. Like he made that like a kind of a more um, contemporary. Know, just, it was, yeah, yeah. It, it just it was. I thought it was I I was really surprised by how effective that you know remake was. Mm. Uh, and very disappointed by how ineffective West Side Story is. <laughs> well, unlike you guys, I, I I appreciated Steven Spielberg's West Side Story only because he updated it. It's definitely updated. I don't think he did. I don't think he no, did. Either. I don't think he did. Though. I'm saying the production, the production, the the look of it. Well, it yeah, was great. I, it was uh, the, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's hands down one of the best looking films. Uh, I've seen in the last 10 years. Wow. It's, it, yeah, it, it's fantastic to look at. <laughs> that's, uh, that's it to me. 
uh, I, I, you know, watch this movie with the, the volume off, and, and this is a great movie. Um, uh, now, uh, now, Ariane DeBont, um, uh, I had no problem with her uh, performances. Um, I, I just have, um, she, but uh, her acting was fine. And uh, but her dancing was um, much more impressive. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but her attitude in the movie, I kind of liked. Uh, I, I could see her pulling off this Calypso uh, voodoo priestess. And uh, it seems like she'll have an attitude, you know, a smoky little uh, attitude with, with the Craven the Hunter, you know. And so uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to her uh, performance in this. Yeah, me too. All right. All right. I'm, I'm sure she'll be a good addition. But at the end of the day. I don't know if I even care about this movie. Oh, uh, the Craven the Hunter movie? <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> no, I'm looking for first, first, get me excited for this movie. Yeah. So how yeah. about uh, uh, Alessandro Nivola? <laughs> does he, does mm-hmm. he get you excited? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the next uh, headline, Rich. Uh, legendary Godfather filmmaker Francis Ford Coppola is planning to finally shoot his long gestated passion project, Megalopolis. The 82-year-old Oscar winner is apparently fronting $120 million of his own money to make the futuristic picture with a cast including Kate Blanchett, Oscar Isaac, and Forrest Whitaker, and a longer list of rumored players. Coppola recently told GQ that Megalopolis is a love story set in a futuristic sea that doubles as a philosophical investigation of the nature of man. You know, I read this article, this GQ article is very fascinating uh, that, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, now that he's 82 and he's looking at his kind of like the, he kind of admits that he's looking at the end of his life. And uh, I'm really excited about this project. I don't know if this movie is going to be any good. I mean, yeah, you know, because it's been, I, I mean, I know, I know I heard that this, but he's been writing this for over, you know, 30, 40 years. Yeah. It's something that he is so passionate about. It's something that he is, you know, has talked about. Yeah. I, I want the, I want this to be a, a great movie, yes. but uh, I mean, because like, yeah, needless to say, but uh, Francis Ford Coppola is like one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. He's made some of the greatest movies of all time. And it, it's just so unfortunate that, you know, he hasn't uh he, he the last you know 10 movies he made were not, not oh, yeah. the best and uh i mean the last good movie he made i, I would say was probably what like rainmaker was it was that what it was called Pro- yeah the one yeah. with uh, the lawyers uh, uh matt damon is a lawyer yeah and that was like what like ni- 19 something yeah, yeah but all that experimenting that he's been doing and all those misfires that he's had it just worries me that this is going to end up being his moonfall. Oh no, 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 no. I think I think this is if this if this fails, it's not because of 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 simplicity or you know, sentimentality. This movie if this movie fails, it's just because no one really connects to it. I think this is a movie that might be too You, th- you think it's gonna be great? I'm hoping it's great. Yeah. I mean he's putting 120 million of his own money because no one wants to finance it. And he's, this is, I think he's saying, I think he's saying, this is the, this is it. This is my last film. I mean, obviously he might, he might do something else uh, afterwards, but this is definitely going to be his last epic saga. I mean, he had a, from the article, he had to uh, um, pay off the 120 credit. He has to get this, you know, it was a credit line that he was had to get. And part of it was he had to sell part of his wine uh, vineyard to get it so i mean this is something very serious that he's doing and this is not just like some experimental thing that he did with that vincent gallo movie <laughs> uh whatever that was uh so i mean this is something that he is so passionate about and i think that's what you get from reading that gq article that here's a guy so you think this this could be like you know the next oh, fingers crossed this could be the next um dune or star wars or something like that no i think this is going to be his eyes wide shut there's going to a lot of critics going to love it and really i think people are going to a lot of people are going to hate it and i think it's going to be you know it's going to be this kind of futuristic city but i think it's going to be so do you mean do you mean do you mean eyes wide shut just by the way it's the movie's received or eyes wide shut received received Oh, okay, okay. Because I, w- I'm like, I don't know. This Megalopolis seems like it's going to be a movie for like all ages and stuff like this. It looks like it's going to be a very accessible movie. It seems like I, I, th- I would think at, at least. No, I think. Uh, I well, think, Eyes Wide Shut is for a very specific audience. 
Yeah, it's not going to be that radical in a, in a sexual way. I think it's going to be more kind of philosophical. And I, I, I think it's going to be like how many critics love Eyes Wide Shut, while others said it's not that great. But it's gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna be something that marks at the end of a of a great filmmaker. Maybe this will be like his AI. <laughs> maybe yes, maybe. I yeah. like AI. I think AI is a, a misunderstood movie, personally. Yeah, I wonder how much money he got for uh, releasing that fifty year anniversary four uh, K Blu rays of the Godfather. I mean, he must still own rights to that, right? Uh, not Godfather. Uh, Apocalypse Now. He de- definitely owns the rights to, but I don't think he owns the rights to God. I mean, maybe he owns a, a percentage of Godfather, but not even three. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I think I think Paramount owns a good percentage of that, but I mean, well, uh, yeah. In that in that article, he talks about how how much he had a fought over Godfather. I mean, we, we kind of know the stories about the making of Godfather. Well, we soon will be, yeah, for sure. In that (laughs) upcoming series, yeah, making of series. But yeah, I mean, here's a guy who kind of fought the studio and, um, you know, he he was, he was, they wanted to fire him from the, from the production and he fought and fought and fought for casting and fought for what the movie. And then, you know, it became a classic, but I, he's going to, he's one of the rare filmmakers who are from that that generation who yeah. are, are you know because like you hear about these studio pictures now and do you hear anyone fighting anymore you know no one's fighting anymore you know no no everyone's just saying yes yes bring, yeah you know superhero yeah yeah, yes. or, yeah. cast this person yeah i want to cast that person you know like i don't know it's just it's a, a he's a different generation yeah definitely and and i'm hoping for the best of for it of course and i'm, I'm hoping that this is not one of those one of those things that uh, Tarantino uh, was uh, is basically in fear of was uh, his career going. So mm. uh, yeah, so well, it might it might be, but it mm-hmm. might be a, just a spectacular, you know, artistic failure, which is fine with me. I'd rather have an artistic failure than a studio success. <laughs> you know, like a bad, a really bad studio success. You know, but what if it's both? You know, I hope. What, I mean, like, I, what, what if it's what if it's like a, a good artistic movie but that actually you know connects with the audience? Like, I mean, that's why I kind of brought up Dune earlier. Like, who 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 would have guessed that Dune would have connected with with as many people as it did? I mean, I know it could have made more, but I was surprised that it made as much as it did, especially being on HBO Max. And I wonder, um, I wonder how much. And, th- and you know, and this and this Megalopolis movie, you know, they already have uh, Zendaya and Oscar Isaac cast in the film. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this could be a hit. I hope so. I wonder how much Luke Besson lost in in that one movie he did last. With, I mean, it would be really fantastic death, if the- with a kiss of death, Dan DeHaan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Valerian. Yeah, that was yeah, his. Uh, that was project. a lot. Yeah, that was a major bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, let's hope this doesn't turn out like that because you you might be you might be right on the money with that one. All right, so yeah, let's get to our next headline. This is kind of an update. Uh, it seems voice actor John DiMaggio has finally closed a deal to reprise his signature voice role as foul mouth robot Bender in Hulu's upcoming Futurama revival series. The deal comes after a very public three-week holdout in which DiMaggio took to social media to express his frustration over contract negotiations, i.e. he wanted more money. Uh we talked about this in a, in a previous episode about how DiMaggio was fighting for more money. He was fighting just not for himself, but for the cast. And, and apparently he, they came with some kind of uh deal that he, um, you know, he, he liked, I guess. Uh, fantastic. I, I fantastic. Cause there was really no point in continuing the series if he was going to, if he wasn't going to return. So, um, you know, I, I was, when they first made the announcement that they were bringing Futurama back, I got excited. Then they announced that he wasn't returning. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not going to even watch it. So now I'm going to watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) They got the whole cast back. uh, Just uh, just uh, as a reminder, if people don't know about the story. Uh, So Katie Seagal, Billy West and uh, the other cast members who were in the Futurama. Uh, Rich, what's next headline? Comedian actor Bill Burr is making his feature directorial debut for the new Miramax film, 
Burr is writing, directing, and starring alongside Bobby Cannavale and Bokeem Woodbine in the original comedy, Old Dads. It's about middle-aged father and his two best friends who are, after selling their company to a millennial, find themselves out of step and behind the times. I think Bill Burr is a funny comedian. I don't know about this concept for a movie, but I think this might be, you know, one of those successful movies like Wild Hogs, you know, those type of movies. There's like, there's an audience for this, but, uh, but if it's going to be like a, a big comedy like that, like I, 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 I was thinking that this would be like kind of more like an indie comedy type of thing. I don't know. No, it's under a Miramax banner. I mean, who, who the hell, what, what did Miramax put out last? Oh, they they yeah, can't. They have come back, but uh, yeah, I forgot which what, what was the last movie that they did. Well, that's Disney, right? I don't, I'm not sure if it's still part of Disney or is it have broken off into kind of independent uh, productions. I I'm not sure. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, it I'm seems just like so confused by this story. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it could be just an Adam Sandler type of film, and but uh, with Bill Burr behind it. So you think this is going to be edgy? You know, like his type of humor where he talks about some of the. Gen- generational differences between you know. i'm not even convinced that this is going to be that type of comedy man I, I really think this is going to be like a like i don't know old dad a win- sounds like a cra- uh, cash grab to me it's it's a simple you know uh, adam sandler comedy that's what <laughs> okay okay old dads <laughs> it's it's a horrible horrible title yeah it's a horrible title. <laughs> but but um i don't know i just i just I'm not convinced it's going to be a dumb comedy yet. I think maybe there's going to be more to it. I think he's going to be drawing from his life, right? Oh, you know? maybe. I mean, he did that cartoon, which was based on his childhood. But and that cartoon was good. F, F is for family. This is the Netflix cartoon. Series. But the present premise is they're selling a comp- their company to a millennial. Yeah, I know. So that's, <laughs> that has nothing to do with Bill Burr or whatever. So. All right, you're right. You're right. This is probably some dumb comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> It's wild hogs. Uh, I don't. I'm baffled. I'm baffled by it. I'm baffled that he would do this. That's why I wouldn't. That's why I was kind of like, I know, I, there's no way. There's no way. But yeah, hearing hearing you repeat that, it's like, no, this sounds like an '80s comedy or something like that. But in the modern day, um, it's wild hogs for Gen Xers. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right, let's get to our next headline. Uh, Fritz Lane's landmark science fiction film, 1927 film, Metropolis, is getting the Apple TV treatment. Emmy-nominated Mr. Robot creator Sam Esmail is currently developing a scripted series for Apple TV, which is inspired by Lane's classic silent film, Metropolis. The film itself was based on the German novel and is regarded as a pioneering science fiction movie about a dystopian futuristic world where a technologically advanced city is ruled by wealthy elites. The film is also famous for featuring one of the first fictional robots ever depicted in cinema. Um, You know... This might turn out to be really good. I hope it's really good. But, you know, because Metropolis, if you, you know, Metropolis is one of the major kind of influences that kind of inspired Blade Runner and all that, uh, you know, uh, really great pr- production design on that film. It's a kind of a classic when it comes to science fiction. Um, I don't know if Sam Esmail is the guy to kind of bring this, but I think this might work for today's audience. I I, I like the idea. I think Sam Esmail got lucky with Mr. Robot, um, uh, and I think uh, this one is going to be a lot more tougher to bring bring into uh, into you know the, the Apple Television treatment to mm-hmm. to bring up and to develop, and it's going to be very difficult. So. Uh, I wish him luck because that other Apple TV show that we tried watching, it's it's okay, but the foundation, the foundation, yeah. I mean, it it does look great. Look, does I mean it yeah, has? They, good they put luck, a lot but, of money in that movie, in that series. That, there, I, I got bored. Yeah, I got bored yeah. right away. I mean, we'll be we saw like two episodes at least. Yeah, so. yeah. We uh, we try. We give it a try, and it was. Uh, but that was uh, David Goyer, I believe, who yeah. produced that. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully, Sam Esmail is someone who's able to kind of bring bring this type of uh, classic storytelling and modernize it in a way that it's exciting. I I hope it's it's a it's an interesting idea. You know, I have to go back and watch Metropolis. I only seen parts of it. Uh, I don't know, Raymond. Have you ever seen Metropolis? Nope. Oh. <laughs> okay well, it was basically c3po <laughs> yeah. fritz lane right yeah mm-hmm. fritz lane yeah 
I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it eventually. It's on my list of movies to watch. Um, I I'll watch it eventually. I just I haven't even finished all the Oscar movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. There's a lot of TV and a lot of movies to watch, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know exactly how you feel. All right, Rachel, let's get to the next headline. Starting on March 16th, Daredevil and his fellow Netflix shows will be arriving on their new home, Disney+. Plus. This comes with the news that the streaming service has updated its parental controls to add restrictions in order to add or remove what shows they can view. In related news, Disney Plus is planning to launch a less expensive ad-supported option sometime later in the year. Consumers will have an option to purchase a more cost-effective ad-supported tier. Yeah, I was actually surprised that the Marvel series that we that started on Netflix, it's going to be go, going on D- Disney Plus. I I thought for sure this was going to be added to the Hulu right. library, but which which they still have Deadpool and Logan, so yeah, they should bring that. Yeah, too. is that it's, now? Are they going to bring in some of those those uh, uh, movies into? I would hope Disney so Plus? because definitely, definitely those two. I mean, those those are should be with the they had the X Men over in Disney. Uh, plus, so does this mean that Disney is going to Disney Plus is going to maybe develop more kind of PG thirteen original movies? Because the, the original movies that they have been producing so far has only been like children's films. Well, like like I said, um, I told you guys I before that so. uh, I saw um, um, before uh, the Christmas vacation, or whatever. Uh, I started watching Adventures in Babysitting on Disney Plus. And I was appalled that they edited it. <laughs> they mm. edited it. I mean, mm-hmm. to, to, to make it a clean version. I was going, oh. Oh, you're talking about the classic movie. Yeah. I thought you were, I thought you were watching like the reboot. <laughs> oh, there was a reboot? No, no, no. I'm talking about the original four. I, I think they're planning to do a reboot, a reboot, but yeah, yeah. No, I think they, I think they did one, didn't they? I don't oh, they have they? I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, but the 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 original Adventures in Babysitting. What did I, they I cut seen out? In a long time. What did they cut out? Uh, in the subway scene, for sure. Um, there was a a, a fight where um, um, they basically said you know the f word and uh, and uh, they they I don't remember what it was, but definitely it was edited. It was totally edited. It mm. was, and there was other scenes too. So. I don't know. It just, I was just put it on Hulu. Yeah, they should put, put it, it on Hulu. Hulu yeah. Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No reason for it to be on Disney Plus. Uh, at least tell me ahead of time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Clean version. <Yeah>. Clean. <laughs> edited. <laughs> edited to not corrupt your child's mind. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that movie. I, I remember seeing that movie as a kid, and like I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be like some girly movie." I'm like, "Oh, this movie's actually right up my alley." I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. No, it was very. Uh, um, you know, it followed that edge of a uh, of uh, great John Hughes films. If, if, if you're a kid that grew up watching The Simpsons, there's nothing wrong with that movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. And I don't think kids are supposed to grow up watching The Simpsons, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, finally, AMC has started charging more for the Batman tickets. If you saw the Batman at AMC theaters this weekend, most likely you paid an extra dollar and fifty cents uh, on adult tickets. But at AMC, at AMC, don't they like don't they like get um like an AMC pass or something like that where they could see like twenty movies or whatever for like ten bucks? You mean the offer? So, I mean, the offer this uh, package deal? Yeah, so I mean, like, it, I mean, I think I figure like most of the people that go to AMC or a, um, or at least a big chunk of them have this pass, so it's it's not like it's really it's not like it's really that much. I I believe it's going to spark a, a kind of a hike, a ticket hike, hiking price. Um, oh, there, yeah, this is the beginning of it. Yeah, this, this is the, the this is definitely the beginning of it. Uh, so I guess the question raise uh, I guess this raises the question. You know, will other movie theater chains? follow suit and i think that's that's definitely going to happen and uh, although it's you know a dollar 50 doesn't seem much now i mean what it's like how much well, you, how honestly, much you paid your ticket I, how much you paid your ticket for, I, to see the batman oh what did i pay you I went to the like matinee 13 i think i was like 13 or 14 dollars mm-hmm. um no i went to the to the first showing which was at 6 30 on okay. wednesday um but um 
I, I don't know. I'm not against this. As long as like the indie films like drop in price, because uh, maybe then more people will go see them. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be dropping price. I, I think they're going to be gone from the movie theaters altogether. What? I, no. I, I think this really shows the signs of like movie theaters are only for block, blockbuster movies. And well, yeah. what about actual art house theaters? They have got they got to play. They got to play something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they might be going out of business soon too. You know, who knows? No, I like going to those theaters more. I don't know, Rich. What's your what's your what's your thoughts on hiking the prices for tickets like this? It's typical. It's just um, typical movie theater greed. Um, the greed. The greed. I mean, they're coming out of a pandemic where they're basically most of them are like. Um, you know, have empty pockets, and here they are. You know, doing their well, best. Well, they, to... they, they see they see that there was a lot of uh, uh, hype for this movie. There was a lot of attention, yeah, and they go, "Well, we, if we could just hike up the prices, it's just it's price gouging. It's like typical pr- uh, price gouging, which I, it's against the law in some cases. You know, you can't hike up prices to drug, uh, you know, like pharmaceutical drugs I, when when people. But need even it, I'm you more know? Uh, even I'm, I'm and, more upset that they're that they're doing it to Batman. Why didn't they do this to Spider? Man. <laughs> even when uh disney put out the star wars back then they were asking for a, a bigger chunk of the the revenue also for their tickets you know um so it's it's a it's just it's theater goes theater markets uh how it is it's just, i mean they, they screw each other i remember um quentin tarantino used to he said in an interview a long ass time ago about how movies were for the simple person or for the, the everyday man there used to be like a nickel to go to, to the movie theaters. You know, I'm talking about the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. And so now with the price hike and now we're getting high, higher and higher, I think movie theater experiences is just for kind of more upper middle class, middle class, upper middle class uh, audiences. They really don't care about like the average Joe anymore. And according to this article that was, they were talking about how Lucas, George Lucas and uh, Spielberg was talking, actually talking about the same kind of issue years ago. And I got a clip from them talking about the same kind of problem of, and and they kind of predicted what's going on right now. Let me play the clip. There's going to be eventually be an implosion or a big meltdown. There's going to be an implosion where three or four, or maybe even a half a dozen of these mega budgeted movies are going to go crashing into the ground, and that's going to change the paradigm again. And then what does the world look like after that? Well, it's like 2008. <laughs> it's, it's we been, will come back from it. That's what I mean. But you know? when, but when what they... you're going to end up with is fewer theaters, bigger theaters, with a lot of nice things, Going to the movies, it's going to cost you 50 bucks, maybe 100, maybe 150. Like Somebody Broadway like, costs today. Yeah, it's like Broadway or going to, uh, you know, a football game. It's, it's a, going to be an expensive thing. The movies are going to be these big ticket items because people will still take their chances and they will sit in the theaters for a year, just like a, like a Broadway show does. And that's going to be what we call the movie business. But everything else it's going to look more like cable television on TiVo, which is there's great programming, usually more interesting than what you're going to see in the movie theater. And you can get it whenever you want. And it's going to be niche marketed, which means, you know, you can really take chances and do things if you can figure there's a small group of people uh, that will kind of react to this. And, and then it's really a matter of marketing, which is the biggest issue, is just to make sure that people know you're there. You know, there's no difference between movies and television. There's no difference at all. Except in a lot of cases, television is much better than movies. Well, because eventually movies go on television, so it's all, it's all the same after. The quality, even the window is so narrow. To, uh, you know, movies go on television in, in hotels within two weeks of their initial theatrical runs. It used to be, when I first started making movies, it was really cool. My movie stayed in theaters for one year. If it was a hit, it was a year long. Raiders was in theaters for a year. E.T. was in theaters for a year and four months. And, uh, and 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 I, I can't believe that I can actually remember those days. That was a, an amazing situation back then. But now, you know, there's going to be eventually day and date with movies, and eventually there's going to be, be uh, you know, there's going to be a, a, a price variance for you're going to have to pay twenty five dollars to see the next Iron Man, and you're probably only going to have to pay seven dollars to see Lincoln. I mean, there's going to be that is going to be in our future as well. I don't think. I mean, I think eventually you're, the Lincolns are going to go away and they're going to be on television. Well, I, 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 I you're, almost you're, was. You're not. 
They're going to have homes with giant televisions that are, you know, in terms of the ratio of person right. to screen, it's right. going to be the same. Right. But there, it's just, you can't, I mean, like now, I'm going into, the, you know, making my own personal films. But I know I can't release them. Everybody says, why? Well, because if I make a movie for a million dollars, it's still going to cost me 10 or 15 million dollars to market to, it. To market it. Yeah. I'm not going to spend 15, I know I'm going to lose money at it, because nobody's going to want to see the movie anyway. The issue is that you're going to be able to make these movies, mm -hmm. and eventually... You know, you can put them on the internet, or thing, but you're not going to make any money at it. So, you're, you know, the monetizing issue is still a big deal, and you have to be able to see where your market is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I already know I'm making it for a minuscule market, and that's why I'm doing it, because I don't have to worry about if it's entertaining or if it's anything. Mm -hmm. And it's my choice, but at the same time, people are going to be able to have options. Yeah, well, and, and those movies are, unfortunately, the options for interesting movies are going to be on television, or as we know, or in the home, let's not say television, say in the home, but I, I defy people who are, live in a hole or something. You can take some of the best cable shows, and you can take some of the best movies, and you can put them on the screen together, and nobody can tell the difference. You know, television competes with movies one-to-one. -one. There is no, oh, because, you know, but they're different. You know, actually, television is more adventurous. I mean, cable television is much more adventurous than movies. Yep. Hearing that, like, if the, if it, like the the way that they're describing it, like, it sounds kind of terrifying. It makes me think of like the way you buy uh, concert tickets. Yeah, exactly. Like you know when you buy you you know when you buy concert tickets, like um, if you the be, the better the seat, the more the more expensive the ticket. And like, imagine that in a the movie theater. Like, if if oh, like, let's say yeah. a movie ticket's fourteen bucks, right? A fourteen mm -hmm. bucks. Well, if you want to pay fourteen bucks, that's only if you sit in the very first row, all the way in the left. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, if you want to be in the center, then you know it raises up a bit. And if you want to be in the middle of the theater, that's like a that's like a like a a, a forty dollar ticket or fifty dollar ticket or something like that. Imagine imagine something like that. I I could see that happening. You know, maybe not this year. Maybe not next year, but definitely in the future. I, I could definitely see that happening as as the, you know the the movie theater experience becomes more a uh, kind of premium experience for people who have money. You know, uh, yeah. This was uh, Spielberg and, and who? George Lucas. That was mostly George. George oh, Lucas. that was George Lucas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're they're right. <laughs> yeah, they kind of predicted it. That was like uh, but it's, seven it's, years it's actually, ago. It's actually so two thousand eight, right? It's like, something like that. Yeah. But I, but I think the main reason, like, why stuff like that is becoming a reality is because, in big part, because of the pandemic, right? It's because the theaters are, are so desperate. Yeah, I think the pa pandemic really speed up this problem that we already have, that I think less people are going to the movie theaters even before the pandemic, at least the new, the new generation. They were, they were getting more comfortable watching stuff at home. And, and particularly older uh, older crowds just didn't want to go back to the movie theaters. And I think they have become more accustomed to staying home. And also, there's really great content on TV that 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 is the major con competitor to 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 some of these bigger movies. There's so many mo uh, television shows that come out every not every every week. But still, it, do you think movie do you think movies are still marketed as effectively as they used to be in the past? Because I I don't know. I feel like a lot of the marketing now is like kind of like on the internet, right? I mean. Well, the, I think the marketing is just are targeted to a younger audience. If you want to get that older audience who are, have haven't gone to a movie theaters in the last year or so, or maybe in two years, they're not, you know, they're not getting the advertisement on TikTok. You know, <laughs> they're, they're get, you have to go a different route, and you have to find them in different ways, and a lot of it might be. Uh, Radio, traditional, yeah, no, well, traditional commercials or maybe traditional talk shows, yeah. You have to sneak it in somehow, and I don't think the uh, the focus morning shows, <laughs> yeah, I don't think the focus is there, or even like even the like uh, take take for instance the last duel, right, the the Ridley Scott film that tanked in the box office, and remember Ridley Scott came out and he said that you know damn millennials and they're watching movies on their phone and that's not actually true i mean the you know younger audiences came out for that movie it was the older audience the gen x audience the boomer gen, uh, audience they didn't go back to watch that movie and maybe it's because of the marketing uh or the the threat the scare that too that too that too i mean you can't you can't count that you can't dis discount that 
So uh, that's definitely a, a, a factor that plays into that. But also, you know, if you are going to risk going to the movie theaters, do you want to see a movie that dealt with these type of issues? I mean, the, the last duel was a, was promoted as a Me Too kind of uh, movie, and I don't think that was that it? It, I thought I thought so. It was kind of a Me Too uh, 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 medieval. That's what I heard from critics. That's what I heard from the. I don't know. The trailers didn't sell it that way. I think no. It was the critics. They that, that was the first thing they pounced on. Yeah, and, and no one, no one, no one reads reviews. Well, anymore. I, I like, think the older, I think the older generation do oh and i think point, they, they when you hear these critics talk about the me too stuff these me too issues i think they get put off by it i don't think they and i and that's why i think when people finally watched it on hbo max people were shocked that it wasn't overly kind of uh uh you know it's not a it's not a kind of movie that had a, a message that was you know in your face with it. It was kind of, uh, it is an adult movie with these kind of real issues, but it wasn't like these, you know, the movies that they make now with the message is right in your face. It's, t it's pandering to you. It's like really tough, you know, like uh, the movie was kind of did uh, the movie was more adult in that way. It was more subtle and it did talk about these really, you know, uncomfortable uh, issues about, sexual assault and all that stuff but in an adult way i thought i really enjoyed that movie a lot yeah but i really thought it was going to be something totally different from just just from what i heard about it you know so yeah. um i still say it's a damn haircuts it could have been the haircuts too it could have easily been the haircuts as well yeah well it's i just the, don't think the movie was even i don't think i don't even think a lot of people knew about that movie's existence yeah that, that could be another that like, could be like, another reason too yeah that ra that raises a question right so that raises a really good question about how who who is who is hearing the marketing who is he, who knows about the movies and does movie going to the movies does that does do people even care about that again do like a, a younger audience really care about going to the movie theaters I don't think they do anymore. It's yeah. sad. I think, but that makes me wonder, like how how big was how much bigger was it before? Because obviously, like you talk uh, you talk about how ticket prices were obviously way cheaper before. But you go back to like you know the gone gone with the wind days. Tickets were like change. You know, it was mm -hmm. like you know, what a, a, a ten cents, fifty cents, something like that. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah, but that's changed to you. But it's that was the, the price of a burger too. No, but I'm <laughs> but I'm saying I'm saying I'm saying the the those movies made uh they made like million. They, they're still some of them are considered some of the most successful movies of all time. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Gone with the Wind. According to inflation, uh, what's it called? Not inflation. What's what's it called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Adjustment adjusted for inflation. Adjusted for inflation. Uh, Gone with the Wind is still the number one movie of all time. Uh, you know, according to the just ticket sales. It did sales. play for years, right? <laughs> it, it did play for years. Yeah, just like. But still, that I mean, but how many people saw that movie, right? I mean, how much? How big is that number compared to like, I don't know, um, like, what was like chong chi or something like that? <laughs> no, no, I mean nothing compares to it, right? Uh, no, I mean there, there's there's. There's how about Spider-Man then? Because that, no. that, that, that's like, you know, huge. I think the only one that com comes near, well, maybe the new Spider-Man, so, uh, Spider-Man No Way of Home, because so many, you know, a, it was one of the biggest movies ever. I think I mean, worldwide Av also. Avatar is up there too, but it's not as, I mean, I think Star Wars is still up there, uh, yeah. adjusted for inflation, yeah. you know, so it, it's, it, 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 but then again, you got to remember that they didn't have these so, movies played for years the movies played for years the TV, tv there's a lot more tv shows there are a lot more other uh content video games is also yeah there, there there was no options back then that's yeah. another thing right yeah. People, there was no such thing as it home was, video it was that it was that or live entertainment mm -hmm. it was that or or listen to the radio show <laughs> you know or, you yeah, know that radio show or go to some like a magic show or like you know some i don't know, some type of some type of live entertainment a, a dance a opera right i mean yeah and, and we have a, a we're, we're spoiled now i guess really. well it's just it's just so many options to 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 you know you could play a whole you could spend a whole night just playing video games you could you could spend a whole night just watching tv you could spend a whole night watching uh Netflix or Hulu, you know, all these other things. You can spend the whole night watching Bruce Willis 2021 films. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. You could just, 
and still got plenty of room to for for the next day. You'll be you'll be, <laughs> you'll be very depressed by the end of that night. But I mean, I I think there's a lot of people who just watch YouTube videos. I mean, I mean, I think YouTube yeah. is also a big co co uh, competition when it comes to this this entertainment space. Cat videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's tons of other kind of these uh, uh you know um distractions you know all right uh yeah so that concludes headlines um all right let's get into raymond's quick review of the batman raymond tell us a little bit about the batman you uh, did you really kind of enjoyed this this movie i absolutely loved the movie um uh, i i I've, yeah, I've been extremely excited for the movie for a while. I mean, ever since the, we got the first tease in, back in DC fandom, it looked incredible. It looked brutal. It looked ridiculously grounded. And, you know, early on, we've been promised that it was going to be like a true detective story, a true detective tale, uh, and really get ex really explore that aspect of Batman that was never explored in any of the live-action films. And, um, I, yeah, I, I think they completely delivered on that. I mean, it... it it it's the most batman movie i had ever seen because like i mean while watching the movie it, it really kind of felt like you were reading like batman comics mm -hmm. and i mean it's it's an experience that i've never had in the, just in a comic book movie in general like it, i don't i think very few comic book movies have actually gotten it this right and it's very interesting to say that because the movie actually makes a lot of kind of changes to characters origins and switches a few things around but they do it in the way where it it's all it's all you know to service the plot it's all in, to service the story and the story feels so much like you're reading a graphic novel that you kind of just you go with it because it feels like you're reading um a specific artist's take on this character like you're reading a little standalone mini series you know what i mean and um or comic series a little um storyline and uh, it's extremely effective yeah it, it, it reminded me of some of the best batman graphic novels i've read uh throughout my life and i've got to say that the batman comics overall i think are some of the best comic books i've read period mm. so um yeah i mean i love the experience of watching the movie i can see some people being a little critical of the film and, and the um like maybe the last 20 minutes of the film because it does kind of in the last 20 minutes become kind of a typical batman movie um but i, I don't know they do some things with it that for me was very refreshing and i i just absolutely loved the way the movie ended while i could see some you could definitely nitpick a lot of things in the third act for me i just went with it because like this this is in the end of the day batman and uh though i th i i could suspend a little disbelief in like the finale and stuff and um overall everyone in the cast is uh absolutely outstanding i mean this this is very different takes that we've seen compared to you know other live action batman iterations but i mean everyone everyone absolutely nailed it. i had i have nothing negative to say about anybody in the cast yeah i mean uh when i heard about the the movie being produced by and written and directed by matt reeves he kind of uh i think i believe someone mentioned batman year one that, that comic book uh, or the graphic novel and how that's going to what's going to be the inspiration for the the film uh i love that book i love that graphic novel i love that the look of that of that book and um so well I, in, in that book uh in that book uh gordon's a huge part of that of of, uh, of year one and mm -hmm. this is the most gordon we've ever got in any batman movie and i and just even though i you know i, I said everyone in the cast is outstanding i sh jeffrey wright needs to really be pointed out because he is terrific in this film and he had big shoes to fill i mean we've had uh, i mean Gary Oldman as as you know Commissioner Gordon in the Dark Knight trilogy was just so incredible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That like the, it, it it felt like that was going to be like that, like that was the version to top. And then we recently we got J.K. Simmons, and well, he didn't really get that much to do with the character just yet. I, we will be seeing him again in Batgirl very soon, but um, we didn't we haven't seen that much of J.K. Simmons as the character. But the little bit that we saw of him in like and and uh, both cuts of Justice League was absolutely incredible 
I mean, and I think I think Jeffrey Wright. I mean, he's now I think for at least for myself the definitive Gordon. I mean, mm. he's he was perfect, and a big part of the reason why he was so perfect is because of the material, the way he's utilized everything they do with the character. I mean, he's basically the the second or third lead. It's it, the movie's Batman, Gordon, and uh, Selina Kyle. You know, mm. it, we, when he's not investigating with Gordon, he's with Selina Kyle, and she's also kind of doing and doing her own investigation. So. It's a bunch of investigating. It's a bunch of, uh, it's a detective film. <laughs> That's what I love about this idea and, uh, and the way it was promoted and the way they announced that this movie was going to focus on the, that, that side of Batman. He is known, you know, in the comics as the world's greatest detective. And, you know, we don't really ever, we never really got that with the, the, the movie versions of, of that character. Rich, what 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 is it about the Batman that it's so timeless and so you know so they they often come to to that character for for you know new adaptations. Why 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 the Batman? Why do you think it's the the Batman lives on? He's uh, essentially a creature of the night. Um, he is the Dark Knight. So um, it's something you know. Uh, he's an everyday man who who doesn't have superpowers, but he kicks enough ass to be a superhero. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you know, he's got an awesome case. He's, he's at, he's got a relatability that other, uh, comic book characters don't have. And yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, I think that's why, um, a lot of, uh, comic book characters that I loved as a child, I don't really have as much attachment to them anymore as an adult, yeah. but Batman, Batman, I think my, my love for that character just continued to grow and grow as I got, as I got older. Cause I think I even appreciate certain aspects of the character more after going through certain things in life. And, uh, you can't say that I think about other, other comic book characters, you know, there's something really special about Batman and kind of like what Richard was just mentioning that he's like a creature of the night. I don't think any movie has ever depicted that better than this movie, specifically yeah. the beginning, the first few minutes of the film. Like the first few minutes of the film, it's a, a lot of it. It's like from like you, we hear um, uh, Batman's narration specifically about how he's like always in the shadows and like uh, the cr criminals never know when he's lurking. And then we get like a bunch of like shots from like the perspective of all these like criminals. Like they think they see Batman in the shadows and like we feel their fear of Batman mm -hmm. just around lur lurking around the corner. And sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's just it's just. It's just some, it's just darkness, but then other times he'll appear and you, you, you feel that fear like never before. It's, it's, it's incredible. And that's just the first couple minutes of the movie. <laughs> so is Robert Pattinson, your new Batman, you're, you no longer want Ben Affleck well, back. Well, it's, it's, it's different. It's, it's very different. Cause, um, this is like, this is a very unique thing. This is, I don't want to see this Batman team up with the justice league. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I, I'm already, you know, see. Like, I remember when Joker came out, there were so many people like, oh, we need to see Batman show up on the next movie and we need to uh, have him cross over in the multiverse and show up <laughs> with like, show up with Jared Leto and show up with Superman and all that. And I'm like, did you guys like not understand the movie? And like, I don't, I think they, I think this should be in its own world. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, Definitely. And I think this Batman is yeah, I what what Ben Affleck was doing with doing with his bat with his Batman, what Zack Snyder was doing with that Batman, that that was something different, and it I can't really compare the two. I can't really say that this is my favorite Batman, but it's the most true to Batman version that we've gotten, and a very uh, depressed version of uh, Bruce Wayne. But I I really love that aspect because. Um, I mean, the, the whole depressed and broken part of Bruce Wayne is, is, has always been, I think, one of my favorite parts of the character. And, uh, and I, sadly, I think in live action, maybe like the movie that did the best job of exploring that was probably Batman Forever. But I mean, this movie like really, really, really does an, an outstanding job of exploring that whole side of Batman. And um, to the point that like Bruce Wayne is maybe only in like, 10 minutes of the movie mm -hmm. and um because because whenever we're with bruce Wayne, it's just extremely depressing he's just this broken character he uh, he only like basically like uh, takes care of himself he, he needs to make a public appearance uh it, it's 
it's the most broken we've ever seen this character. And while I like, like while I, I like that he's definitely this broken, we've never seen him quite like this before. I, I, I don't think I've ever really seen him quite this broken, even in the comics. Like this is, this is a depressed Batman. Okay. But I like that. <laughs> so bring on the sequel. Okay. Well, you know, this is what I like about what, what I'm hearing from you, that this Batman, you know, this kind of reminds me of the comic books in the nineties when, a comic book artist would jump onto a, a established character, either the Batman, Spider-Man, what have mm-hmm. you, and they would uh, put their mark onto the character. And it didn't have to um, be part of a bigger p- a game plan. You know, they, it could have been just something that per- they, they they're personally put something into the character. And and then and then over the over the years, as the the character grows in popularity, it becomes part of the the the, the history of the character. You know, so uh, it, a lot of times we, when they approach these type of characters, they they're thinking of franchises, and this seems like we're tr- the focus. The main focus is trying to tell a good story. Yeah, I guess I guess you know the reason why I think my my feelings about why I think Batman character lives on for so, so for so many, I think because you know particularly in the nineties, it wasn't cool to be a comic book, uh, geek or a comic book fan. And uh, there was many times where I would go to the comic book store and we we're just, and uh, you know, let's be honest. A lot of those people in the comic book stores are freaks. <laughs> you know, they, they were misfits. They were kind of the hey, I mean, we're, we, we, we're them too. I mean, that's what, that's what I was saying that, that you know, we, uh, we are, and I think Batman kind of fits the, the that's why the popularity of Batman continues because they, they it, it is something that uh misfits and outcasts kind of uh are drawn to uh yeah i mean unfortunately i think maybe superhero properties have become more mainstream i'm i don't know when i'm going to watch this movie uh, obviously when it's on hbo max maybe oh obviously because of uh, the amc hiking up the prices i'm i'm, I'm not going because and i'm yes i i'm taking a stand i'm i'm for i'm for the little person so i'm not i'm uh, i'm protesting the the price gouging that amc does so i know i know there's an amc theaters across the street from your house but there's a cinemark also just not that far away yeah <laughs> Yeah, but I'm got I got a lot of, I got a lot of TV to watch too. <laughs> all right, all right. And I got to sit down and watch a three hour movie, right? Now. I know, man. And I, you know, I'm getting it older. Ain't gonna last. I'm getting older, and I know at the hour mark I have to get up and piss somewhere. Mm. And so and you also you're always falling asleep. I'm falling I mean, asleep every time I every every time I I, I watch a movie with mm. you. You're always falling asleep. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Like I fall asleep when I watch a movie now, like because I'm also uh, I'm not, I'm not old, but I'm getting older. And when I when I get very comfortable, when I get very comfortable, but I, sometimes I'm, I'm in the movie theater and I'm on that recliner, and I have my seat, my feet up and stuff, uh, too comfortable, I'll, I'll start to fall asleep. <laughs> I like during the Batman. During the Batman, I was lucky because my seat was broken. So I didn't even use the recliner. <laughs> well, I, do, I didn't even use the recliner. <laughs> I, I, I do like. The idea of pausing a movie, going to the kitchen or going to the bathroom. Yeah. Oh man, I love making a snack. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it. You know, I do love that idea, and so maybe that's that. I have been spoiled with that with that kind of conditioning. Ordering uh, a pizza. Yeah, or popping something in the microwave or something like that. Like to me, that's like a really great time at the movies. <laughs> I, I could pause it. <laughs> <laughs> good lord yeah um but you know what uh, but speaking of the movie's length i gotta say like and i know i, I brought this up in my review but i i really mean it this is true mm-hmm. the movie's three hours going into the film that was my one big worry for it because i was ridiculously excited for this movie for a very long time but when they said the movie was like three hours that just that just did not sit well with mm-hmm. me i was like a three hour batman movie that's just makes no sense to me that's Mm -hmm. dumb Mm -hmm. but while watching the movie i i actually think the movie could have been a little longer i would have liked it if the movie was a little longer i was just so invested in the story that it really felt like a two-hour movie and i wanted a bit more from from all of the characters well maybe not all of the characters but i wanted a bit more did you want more from the penguin oh i'm excited for that series for the potential of what that could be but um I'm good with the amount of penguin we got in the movie because he served his his purpose in the story. 
adding any more penguin would have i think just been you know fan service he there he's in there just the right amount he made a great presence he's actually the funniest he's actually probably the, com- the only comedy relief in the film mm-hmm. and he's a very dark character so you get an idea that a lot of the humor that you get in the movie is kind of more for adults i mean he's a, he's playing like a mobster character and like he, he he's not making jokes for the kiddies right right uh colin farrell is the one who plays the penguin in this movie and you, you love colin's performance in this in this film yeah, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but Jonah Hill was actually originally up for the role. I think Warner Brothers was going to pay him like $10 million or Jesus. something like that. But I think, I think Jonah wanted even more than that. He wanted to be like the highest paid actor on the movie or something like that. <laughs> what the fuck was wrong with this guy? <laughs> well, you need a, a yeah. tattoo for his, his chest. Or <laughs> but I'm so, I'm so grateful that uh, he didn't get cast because I think he would have been a giant distraction. Yeah, exactly. I, I think he, I think he ended, he probably ended up doing Don't Look Up instead, and that was a much better fit for him. Well, I that's one of the reasons why I didn't like that movie. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm, I'm really have gone. I have I've gone sour. Yeah, problems with the movie. I've, no, I've gone sour with with Jonah Hill. And oh. his attitude nowadays, I, I don't know what's going on with that guy. You so, don't want to see his Jerry Garcia movie? No. <laughs> well, it's, it's, look, I'm a, I'm a huge Scorsese fan, so I'll watch it. But Who isn't, right? <laughs> so, Raymond. Um, Wait, I just wanted to mention that, um, you know, Colin Farrell is, is, I think he's doing some really incredible work lately. He has hit it this stride when he's, you know, at, at what, what, he's like... 45 years old now he's really hit this kind yeah, of he, he looks young man he looks much younger than that yeah so he has hit the stride now but he's in a part a part of uh, a new phase in his, in his career where i think he's has become one of the more incredible actors there is there's a show that came out last year or two maybe it was two years ago no it was last year uh called the north water which unfortunately was only aired on AMC plus. So you didn't, if you, you didn't have AMC plus, I mean, but I mean, it's an incredible British. No um, one does. <laughs> yeah. No one had that, had that, uh, but it's an incredible British, uh, 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 mini series where he plays a whaling or a, uh, whaling. What's that called? A harpoon. A, a whale hunter, a whale hunt, a whale hunter, a, a harpooner. And it's like kind of. Oh, you guys told me about this. Yeah. It's a fantastic performance by this guy, by Colin Farrell. It's one of the better performances of last year. I think he was incredible in that series. And I just wish, I just recommend anyone to try to get AMC Plus and get, and get North Water. It's a great, it's like maybe five episodes. It's a, Rich, you saw the, the series. Yeah. It's a brilliant ser- series. Yeah. Surprisingly, a lot more better than I thought I was going to be. Yeah, I would recommend to put on the the closing captions because everyone had a thick British accent. Mm-hmm. They were like talking like pirates, uh, which was hard. But it, again, it, I think it's a, it's also a well written uh, drama and beautifully directed by uh, a- Andrew Haig, I believe that's his name. Uh, kind of a guy who is probably only known for directing um, Forty Five Years, that one movie, that one drama. And uh, but Jack O'Connell was in it also, and he, it was he was also great in it. I yeah, mean, Jack O'Connell was in it. And he, yeah, th- those two. It was those two. It was like uh, kind of the uh, a tit for tat kind of uh, uh, relationship between those two. But yeah, he played a menacing character. Uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell played a menacing character, and one of the most frightening uh, villains, I guess you could say. And in, in, in recent history, I mean, I think I think it was a, a tremendous performance by him. So I would recommend the North Water, which is out on AMC Plus. I don't know. Find it somewhere. Maybe you could, uh, you know, go to, uh, you know, the dark web or something. <laughs> Maybe it's on Amazon or something. You know, you never know when. It pops I, up. Well, yeah, sometimes they, they yeah, sometimes they pop up in some Netflix or something, or hopefully. But yeah, be on the lookout for that. That brilliant performance by him. And I think with the with the with the Batman, he's only going to get better. And I think he's he's really picking some projects that uh, really has surprised me. I think he has become a re- really great great uh, actor. Yeah, no one's no one no one remembers him from Daredevil. 
yeah and unfortunately yeah that's it's good that richard brings that up because he's an actor that's like really kind of struggled a lot in finding mainstream success he's always working in big projects and like but usually usually whenever he's in like in a um a big studio film it's like in a movie that just doesn't find an audience or mm-hmm. is a movie that's completely terrible like the total recall remake mm. he was also in dumbo he was actually he was good in dumbo but did anybody watch that movie did, any, did anybody even want to watch it um he was he was also yeah artemis, artemis fowl he was also <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, 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 oh, he, he, he struggles in picking like mainstream films that like connect with people and um I mean, luckily, the Batman, the Batman is a perfect project for him. But he was fantastic in The Gentleman, and I know you didn't like that movie, but his performance, oh, yeah. his performance in, well, the, in I, The Gentleman I, was awesome. Well, I like The Gentleman a lot more on second viewing. Mm-hmm. I, but I do have a lot of issues with that film, mm-hmm. and but he, yeah, I agree that uh, not just him. I, I agree that most of the performances in that movie are fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. He got, he got a lot of praise for The Lobster too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But that's that's like an indie film. I'm not even like mainstream. Like th- that's where he struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, early 2010s, he was having a hard time. Like, where where does he fit? Is he you know a good looking leading man, or is he kind of a character actor? Like like because he did a really great performance in in Bru- in Bruges, in which he was playing kind of a depressed, in Bruges, right? Or is in, that what's called in Bruges? Yeah, yeah, he was playing a depressed hitman or contract killer. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really psyched to, to see him in the Batman, also in this, uh, this upcoming, uh, spinoff series, but yeah. All right. So that was your review of the Batman. So you give it, what was the grade you give this movie? Uh, I give it an A. I, I personally think it's like the best Batman movie for, for myself. And, um, I think it's quite possibly like the, for, for myself again, uh, the best comic book movie I've ever seen. Just because of the, of the way it kind of recreated or or captured the the experience of reading a Batman comic. All right, so that was your review of the Batman. Highly recommended from you. All right, let's that, that closes this episode of Inside Flicks. If you want to hear our past episodes, go to InsightFlicks.com. If you want to actually hear Raymond's YouTube uh, review of the Batman, you go to our YouTube uh, uh, channel. Go to YouTube and search Inside Flicks, and it will pop up. All right, so let's uh, let's do this again next week, and we'll come back with some new movie news, and uh, hopefully, I'll watch something. <laughs> I'll I'll give a review of something. There's a couple things I had. Turning red. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. All right, bye bye.